Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, if you don't know already. And today we are doing Rogue News. And I still haven't left the bed yet. And I don't plan to. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, links on how to reach me will be down in the description below of this podcast. I'm also on Spoon and also on Spotify Green Room, and links will be there in the description shortly. Thank you. We're doing another Rogue News segment because, I don't know... I haven't put anything out lately, and it's the easiest thing to do at the moment. So yes, on to the politics! All of my politics news comes from the OAN app. If you do not like the OAN news app, you don't have to listen to me. No one's making you listen to this podcast. But on we go. Alright, I found one already. Holy crap. Okay, we gonna read it. Let's go. New York Post. Chinese oligarch Yi offered Hunter Biden $30 million uh, in large diamonds to help make connections in D.C. Well, that's not, uh, news. I mean, we all know that the, you know, Democratic Party had to do something in order to make Hunter, not Hunter Biden, but his father, um, look a little better for the election, but, I mean, now, I don't know, I feel like Democrats just mess it up for themselves. Anyway, let's go. Uh, the largest revelations from... Hunter Biden's laptops has revealed a deeper uh, ties between a Chinese oligarch and the Biden family. According to the New York Post on Sunday, the chairman of Chinese energy company CEFC, Yi Xia Jinming, um, was asking Hunter Biden to help him make important connections in Washington in uh, 2017. The United States needs to be tough on China. How is that possible when the president's son is helping our enemies? Lisa McCain says. I agree. Um, I Like I said before, I don't trust any country that kills its own people. But then again, America kills its own people because, you know, COVID Anyway, let's not get into that argument, because I know there's so many people that's gonna, like, get upset with me saying that, but oh well, it happened! Um, all the time ye offered Hunter 10 million a year over a three-year period, and a large diamond worth $80,000. The probe, uh, by Senators Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson found Hunter's business partner, Robinson Walker, then received $6 million from China in two separate occasions. 
those wires were flagged by the U.S. Treasury as suspicious activity. What about him visiting uh, trafficking businesses in order for him to have sex with little children? That's what I want to know. I want to know that information so I can do a pedophiles, because I swear to God, he's going to be the next one. I was informed first by James Giller, uh, and then by Hunter Biden and by Rob Walker, who was working with Bidens, with the Bidens, and the Bidens wanted to form a new entity with CEFC, uh, which was to invest in infrastructure, real estate, and technology in the U.S. and around the world, stated Tony Bobblesukini? What? I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Bobble... Bobbule... Bobulinski. There you go. A former business associate of Hunter Biden. So Tony Bobulinski is his associate. Anyway, uh, according to the report, Chairman Yee and Hunter Biden were introduced by former British intelligence officer James Giller, who was another partner in the joint venture with China Energy. Hunter Biden's firm helped China gain control of the electric car mineral. That's crazy. I still want to know. It should be public knowledge. The one thing that I absolutely hate about, like, justice, the justice system right now, is that they'll, they'll protect pedophiles no matter what. Um, it sucks because it's true. And it just sucks because it sucks. Because we see the man, I forget his name. I, I will have to talk about him at some point. Because um, a 17-year-old boy kills a few people with an assault rifle. And he has no charges put against him. He's not, he's left not guilty. He leaves the car, the courtroom not guilty. I understand the man is 17 years old and he's underage, but he killed people. Um, I know that he was training to be a police officer. I understand that. But the thing is, is that he was 17 years old and he had a full courtroom, like filming. Okay. He said he was sorry and all that lovely stuff. I understand that. I know he's a child, I know he's 17 years old, but he should have been charged with something, at least community service. Anything, you know, the smallest charge would have been good, because he went out, he knew what he was doing, and whether it was, you know, self-defense or not, he shouldn't have had an assault rifle, he shouldn't have had that on him. Um, I don't know where he would have gotten that, and I just don't, I don't like that. Uh, he should have stayed home. He should have stayed home. He felt like that was his battle to fight and everything. But my point is, is that they filmed the whole courtroom session of what was going on and how they came to that conclusion. 
Epstein's supposed wife only gets a picture drawn of the inside of the courtroom with her in it. We need all courtroom sessions to be filmed. That way, the justice system isn't tampered with. The people need to see that. This woman helped traffic thousands of young girls into America throughout America as sex slaves. I don't like that shit. And we only get one picture drawn. But this 17-year-old boy who ends up killing what was it, three people? Out of self-defense gets a whole trial filmed exclusively on the news and you hear about it five times a day. No, we need to learn more about the people that are trafficking children. We need to learn more about that because our children are being taken. And I know I'm kind of ranting and I'm not sorry, but I feel like um, Hunter Biden should also be tried and that trial should be filmed for us to see. Alright, next up in politics, and since I'm lazy, I don't want to just, um, if you hear that, that's my little heater. It's old, so, you know. <laughs> you guys are gonna look with me real quick, because, you know. Let's see. Build back better pill to be finished before Christmas. Sure, that this could be a great Christmas present, that dang bill. <laughs> Senator Klobacher. Is that even a name? Klobacher. Okay, we're gonna say Klobacher. Everybody's names is so hard to pronounce nowadays. <laughs> Build back better bill to be finished before Christmas. Okay. Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, Democrat of Minnesota, Joe Biden's spending bill will be completed before Christmas. Uh, during an interview on Sunday, she touted the administration's uh, spending agenda. Uh, Klobuchar uh, said the plan would help create jobs in fields which are facing major labor shortages. Okay, let's hear this. I'm sure I'm going to find some sort of fault in this. The Democrat also said, I love how they said the Democrat, just like not even their name, just like the Democrat says this, also said that Biden's spending agenda would be finished by the coming weeks while noting Senator John Manchin of West Virginia, Democrat, had been in constant communication with the party over the bill. When asked if she was confident the Build Back Better bill would try to say that three times fast. Build Back Better bill. Build Back Better bill. Build Back Better bill. Oh my gosh, that's tongue twister. 
um, it would be completed by Chris and Ms. Klobuchar said she was. Uh, Senator Manchin is still at the negotiating table talking to us every day, taking it or taking to what? Yeah. I can't read. Talking to us about voting rights, getting that bill done, restoring the Senate, uh, stated the senator. He's talking to us about this bill. Okay, that's pretty vague. And what about voting rights? Voters' rights? Um, last time I checked, everybody has the right to vote. Why do we have to go over voting rights? Anyway, here she is in all of her weird glory. Let's listen to her. You've laid, you've laid out what you see as the benefits of the plan, but your colleague, Democratic colleague from West Virginia, Senator Joe Manchin, continues to signal that he wants to push this off until next year. What are the consequences of delay? Are you confident it will get done before Christmas? I am. And uh, Senator Manchin is still at the negotiating table talking to us every day, talking to us about voting rights, getting that bill done, restoring the Senate. Uh, he is talking to us about this bill. Uh, when I look at this drama in the next month, I break it down into a mini series. And the first part is the defense bill and a bridge to the budget vast majority of senators support that. We'll get that done. Second thing, the debt ceiling. You know, if the Republicans want to scrooge out on us and increase people's interest rates and make it hard to make car payments, go ahead, make that case. We're going to stop them from doing that. The third, as I mentioned, voting rights. Fundamental to our country. You see partisan gerrymandering going on. And what we're talking about here is restoring the rules of the Senate so we can pass a bill that Senator Manchin has signed his name onto. The bill I lead, the bill Senator Schumer has been bringing every people together on, and that is a Freedom to Vote Act. And finally, what we just talked about, the Build Back Better bill. We can get you, this done. It's you uh, said you can get it all song. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear the song now. Uh, the song is A Little Less Talk and a Lot More Action. That's well, it does seem to be this next month. No, that, it's kind of the other way around with y'all, though. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, meanwhile, the House passed a $1.9 trillion spending plan uh, two weeks ago uh, in the party line vote, and the upper chamber is expected to hold their own vote in the coming weeks. Fun! Anyway... Um, I threw something at my heater earlier, so if that's, uh, <laughs> if you guys heard that, I am sorry. It makes that noise, if you guys can hear it. Oh yeah, now it stops. See? I swear to God that thing's taunting me. I had to turn it off. It was bugging me. Anyway, let's go up to the next, uh, story here. Economists, Biden's supply chain crisis, inflation here to stay. Well, of course, because, you know, all those supply ships are still stuck in the sea right now. Nobody can get through the port. Um, that's great. (laughs) Anyway, let's see. A top economist was, or has warned Joe Biden's supply chain crisis will be the main concern for the U.S. economy moving forward. During an interview on Sunday, Alan Alain's uh, financial group economist Mohammed El Irin 
uh, said that supply chain disruptions will com- commentate. No, contaminate. Sorry, contaminate uh, consumer demand in the U.S. He added, inflation isn't transitory, contrary to claims by Biden's officials. Uh, the while labor shortages continue to make things worse. Yeah. People, this is what happens when presidents keep putting out stimulus checks and making you file for unemployment due to the pandemic. I understand that Trump did maybe like one or two stimulus bills because we were in the middle and like the beginning and the middle of the pandemic and I understand why he did that. Um, but Biden kept on doing it, thinking that it would make everything okay. There are thousands of people now without jobs because of all the stimulus checks that they've gotten on top of their tax, uh, returns and on top of all the unemployment that is, you know, being received right now. Um, Trump may have started this. But Joe Biden decided to make it a whole lot worse. Uh, Meanwhile, U.S. inflation rose 6.2% last month, marking the highest since 1990. Separately, L. Aaron said inflation may eventually suppress consumer confidence in the U.S. So, like I said, this is what happens when people accept too many stimulus checks and they just decide to sit on their butt. Um the economy gets worse and inflation prices have to rise because the government has given the people way too much money and they need to get that money back. Um, Inflation's happened before um, in history. It's not good because there are people who lose their jobs whether or not they decide to file for employment. They'll lose their jobs and they won't be able to get it back. If they do get a job, it's not going to be as much in order to, you know, provide for their families. And that's just, it's messy. It's messy. And it's all Biden's fault because he kept putting out stimulus checks. He kept doing it. Like I said, I said, you know, Trump did start this. Because he wanted to make sure that the people of America were okay during the pandemic. It's okay to put out two or three stimulus checks in order for um, people to live off of and get by with during the pandemic. We have got people out there now. They don't need to wear masks. They don't need to get vaccines. We already know this. We don't need to be afraid of COVID-19 anymore. I know I'm speaking from an opinion. That's fine. If you don't believe it, that's okay. I don't care. Um, The pandemic was planned. Not going to go there right now. But the mandates have been kind of lifted. They have been kind of relaxed now. Anybody who goes into a store... Whether or not they have been vaccinated, 
they're, they, they can choose whether or not to wear a mask. If you're unvaccinated, you can still go outside without a mask. Um, I know people nowadays will be like, oh my God, you're going to kill people by doing that. Shut up. That's their choice. Leave them alone. Anyway, we have gotten to a point in this pandemic that things are starting to relax. Things are starting to go back to normal a little bit. So, therefore, Biden should not be giving out more stimulus checks. People should be going back to work. But we don't see that happening because Joe Biden has decided to keep giving out stimulus checks, making the people think it's okay to sit on their asses. Make sense? Does it make sense? When you say not transitory and you cycle inflation, I'm wondering how long you think that drags on. Is it permanent? I mean, when you give somebody a raise, it's not like you're going to take that raise back in a year. When you're selling a sandwich for 12 bucks now, it's not like you're going to sell that sandwich for 11.50 six months down the line. So when we see these these costs go up, how long before we might see some some pressure ease off of those inflationary um, gauges? So we will see all these second round effects you talked about. Um, people asking for higher wages in order to maintain their purchasing power. Companies raising prices in order to maintain their margins. And it will go on well into next year. And then... Oh, they just cut him right off, didn't he? Anyway. But if you look at what's happening on the demand side, there you get some questions. Demand is robust today, but will... But... Will it be robust in six months' time? Um, And there's really big questions, both in terms of demand destruction, uh, people buying less because prices are higher, and in terms of whether policy becomes, uh, let's see, contradictory, wait, no, contractionary or not, said L. Aaron. Okay. Sorry about that. L. Aaron also stressed the Federal Reserve must tackle the inflation sooner rather than later uh, before it does more damage to consumer expectations. Yeah, I agree. Okay, before I start talking about the uh, Iceman, um, I wanted to talk to you about how I kind of found him out. Um, There's this show that um, this actress that I do not like um, decided to make on Netflix. Uh, It's called Goop, and yes, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow as an actress. I think that she's kind of weird. She tells people how to live, and uh, she's not the most liked actress in Hollywood. But, I mean, my opinion aside, the first three episodes that I did watch was really strange. (laughs) Um, But there was one about the Iceman, and the Iceman is basically this man who um, believes that he's uncovered the secrets to health by exposing yourself to the cold. So, um, 
that's what we're going to learn about today. I really liked this episode, by the way. So I don't think that Gwyneth Paltrow is completely nuts, you know, but I do think she's kind of a little, you know, off the hinges. I don't know. That's just my opinion, but my opinion aside, let's start reading it. Let's see. The Iceman. How Ice Iceman Wim Hof uncovered the secrets to our health. <clears throat> Wim Hof's teaching uh, about breath work and the breath benefits of cold plunges have attracted millions of followers who swear it has cured everything from depression to diabetes and makes them happier and stronger. The writer traveled to Iceland naturally for a deep dive with the man and his methods. I didn't know he lived in Iceland. Is he Icelandic or is he just... I can't can't remember. Um, It's surface gridlocked with icebergs, slabs and hunks of... uh, hunks and blocks of ice. The size of ships, houses, buses, they're everywhere, crowded into the glacial lagoon. The icebergs were dazzling white and pale gray and a light milky blue and striped with volcanic ash. The water is the color of dull metal. Low clouds press down, seabirds shriek on the far side of the lagoon. A glacier called Oh lord, I can't. I can't. I I love you, Iceland. I just can't pronounce any of your words. Uh, Vatna Jukul. Vatna Jukul. Hunkers like the beast that it is. A 3,100 square mile ice cap that sprawls over southeast Iceland, dwarfing other European glaciers. For anyone unaware that it is ill-advised to jump in for a dip, a big red sign spells out no swimming, freezing water. Uh, You only survive a few minutes, and if that isn't enough of a deterrent, dangerous currents, rolling icebergs from waves. Ooh, look at all those fears, Wim Hof says, reading the sign in mock terror. He is 61 years old and scruffily bearded, with a a growly booming voice uh, that's easily heard at a distance. Hoff is Dutch. Okay. He is Dutch. Um, I thought he was Icelandic for a minute. His accent full of rolling R's and long vowels. There's nothing sick about his appearance. He's wearing surf shorts, rubber sandals, <laughs> and a tropical print t-shirt under a thin raincoat that flaps in the wind. It's not much in the way of clothing by comparison. I'm swaddled in so many layers I can barely move my arms, but it's about 40 degrees Fahrenheit outside with plenty of wind chill for farther down the beach. Lots or little clots of tourists who braved the sour weather to look like they're huddled together for survival. Hoff, meanwhile, is in his element. His exploits in on and under ice are so renowned that 
his nickname is the Iceman. Maybe you've seen photos of him standing encased in ice for nearly two hours or running up Mount Everest wearing only shorts. Jesus, he did that? He made it to 24,278 feet but had to turn back before reaching the summit due to a foot injury. Wow. Or summiting Kilimanjaro for 31 hours. Again, nearly naked. A climb that typically takes a week to allow for altitude acclimatization. Each of these activities seem to seems like it could kill a person, but Hoff's only close call over the years happened on his first attempt in 2000 to swim 50 kilometers below the solid cap ice on a lake in Finland. His corneas froze, impairing his vision, and he couldn't find the exit hole. He was rescued by a safety diver. Hoff strips down to his trunks with gusto and starts heading toward the lagoon. Um, he's here to film promotional videos for his company called Inner Fire and his crew, three athletic men named Peter, Thor, and Tahir, um, are laden with camera gear. Hoff turns to me. I'm writing a new book, you know, he says in a low voice as though confiding in a secret. The title, its title is Fuck Fear. <laughs> I need to get it now. <laughs> Hoff does in fact have a new book out. Its title is The Wim Hof Method, Activate Your Full Human Potential. Um, then he lets out a guffaw and strides across the black lava beach. Um, at the water's edge, Hoff stops for a moment. You gotta swim today, he tells me. Yeah, it will be good. We'll go wild. We will sing in front of everybody. <laughs> and we are gonna cut the crap and the bullshit, and we are gonna live. Aw. Hoff tends to make intense eye contact as though he can see right through a person's arsenal of half-baked fears and excuses. And he's doing it now, sizing me up. I'm saved by Buren, who uh, walks up with two guitar cases. What? <laughs> he and Hoff take out their guitars um, and start strumming. Do you remember how to play like a child? Whoa, that's where I want to go, back in the flow. Hoff croons as the wind slaps at us. Yeah, um, Hoff is out of control. I love him. He's he is a character. Um, even in the episode that I watched, it was just incredible to see him so happy just playing in the snow. <laughs> just half naked just playing in the snow. N not even a shiver on his body. It was it was so remarkable to see. But anyway, this signals that he's ready with the drone. And Hoff puts down the guitar. The tourists have uh, sidled closer, drawn perhaps by the music, but more likely they are uh, by the improbable sight of the bare flesh. 
The lagoon is only a few degrees above freezing, plunging into water that temperature feels like stim- simultaneously being shocked, jabbed with needles, and squeezed in a vice. Uh, it's sensation that most of us try to avoid, but you can stand cold immersion. But if you can stand cold immersion and survive it beyond the pain, there's exhilaration. Wow. I don't know if I can do it. I get cold too easily. Like, mm-mm. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, it's it's hard for me to just go into a pool of cold water sometimes. But, you know, that's really cool, though. I still think it's amazing. I would love to do something like that. Like, if I get the right training from him. Like, I, I need him by my side to be like, Okay, Sarah, you can do it. Jump. <laughs> Most people just think, Who is that crazy man? But we've got to get back to the cold. Somebody has to show this. He flings out his arms as if embracing the world at large, takes a deep breath, exhales, and looks into the lagoon. There's no flinching, no gasping. He submerges slowly, then strokes towards an anvil-shaped iceberg about 200 yards offshore. A seal pops its head up and glares at Hoff and <laughs> makes a beeline for him, uh, moving fast enough to leave a wake. Let's see. This doesn't look like it's going to be a friendly encounter. Hoff, treading water, spots his companion. Hi, Johnny, he yells as the seal approaches. He just names it like, hey, what's up, Johnny? Um... The two stare at each other for a while, and then Hoff, perhaps recognizingly the fu- recognizing the futility of a territorial standoff with a seal, turns and paddles back to shore. Um, he's then in the water for 30 minutes. When he gets out, his skin is an alarming shade of red. Oh God, I can't do it. I can't do it, man. Easy does it, he says, grinning. We've we've got all day. He wipes himself with a towel, showing no signs of shivering. I feel great. That's crazy. In a world addicted to comfort, it is, or it isn't easy to convince a vast audience that they really need, or what they really need is to take teeth-chattering swims and ice baths. But Hoth is, uh, has managed to do this. These days, He's widely admired. Um, I'm sorry. He's a widely admired corner or counterculture hero. Um, his message that most of our self-limiting benefits are wrong, and that we're capable of far more than we think, has resonated. He has more than a million Instagram followers, hosts uh, sold-out seminars around the globe, and evangelizes nonstop at top volume about new world vigorous health and happiness 
in which we free ourselves from the clutches of a system that profits by keeping us sick or diminished. Earlier at breakfast, he pounded his fist on the table. It's time for change. People are waiting. There's work to do for the life force. His enthusiasm for and first-hand demonstration of expanded human potential is pure oxygen for the high-performance set. Recently, Hoff trained a group of Navy SEALs how to endure cold water. His fans include uh, Liard Hamilton, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, Dave Asprey, Russell Brand, and Gwyneth Paltrow, who recently filmed a Netflix special with Hoff. Yes, that's the... That's goop. Um, I think we all have the capacity to to be superhuman beings, explains Hamilton, a daily practitioner of Hoff-inspired exercises. Wim is one of those guys who's able to show you what's possible. But it's not just uh, celebrities who pro-athletes, or and pro-athletes who are drawn to Hoff. Uh, he has reached a much bigger audience on any given day. Instagram is filled with photos of Hoff followers to their necks in ice baths, dashing into the ocean for polar plunges, standing under frosty waterfalls, a Vice media documentary. See, I used to really like Vice. Vice was on current TV a long, long time ago. Um, about Hoff has been watched more than 6 million times on YouTube. Um, Another video on the Yes Theory channel titled Becoming Superhuman with Iceman Wim Hof has nearly 11 million views each year. Uh, Hof hosts a handful of one or two day workshops on his home uh, turf in Amsterdam and elsewhere around the globe. And a handful of weekling, or sorry, <laughs> week-long expeditions <laughs> into the mountains near um, Przedica, Poland, where he owns a house and serves as or that serves as a base camp in Morillo Dito, Spain. Now when he charges up slow charges up slow snowy mountains, I cannot talk, I swear to God. He takes hands he takes bands of followers with him. Okay. For anyone with a speedo and a strong desire to test themselves, uh, another Kilimanjaro expe- expedition is slated for Early 2021, pending developments in the COVID-19 pandemic. The the proceeds from the fee to attend will go to local charity. There are also about 600 certified Wim Hof instructors offering offering their own workshops. uh, Graduates of an 8-10 to month training program called the Wim Hof Academy in addition to free to a free mini course on Hoff's website and longer online courses, the prices of which have been reduced since COVID hit a low 
or hit to allow more people to participate all of which is to say that the Iceman is having a major moment. As Hoff tells it, his feet his feats are powered by a simple routine of breathing exercises, cold exposure, and mental focus. Known as the Wim Hof method, the breathing uh, is controlled hyperventilation uh, done in three to six sets of 30 to 40 deep breaths, strong inhale, relax, exhale. In or on the last breath of each set, you exhale and hold for one to three minutes before taking a recovery breath and holding it for 15 seconds. Uh, as with other rhythmic uh, breathing disciplines like uh, pranayama, kudanalini yoga's breath of fire, okay, or the Tibetan Buddhist meditation practice of tumo, it's common to feel tingly, woozy, and frankly high. People have reported seeing posts and or spots and stars, kaleidoscope lights, and other visions. Uh, it's a bit dizzying as well, which is why you should do it seated or lying down. Did I think Good Mythical Morning actually did this one time on their um, their YouTube channel at one time because I remember actually doing it. <laughs> I, I remember actually doing that because um, I wanted to, because I was like suffering from anxiety at the time and I was like, oh, this can help my anxiety and stuff. It is a way of like controlling your hyperventilating. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have a panic attack when you're doing it. It's just inducing that hyperventilating like feeling, but it's not giving you fear. It's weird. It I don't know if it's a good thing spiritually to do. But it was very interesting to do when at the time when I was doing it because I was laying on my couch and I was just like, like doing the <sighs> kind of like almost like pregnant breathing because <laughs> they they were like, breathe through your chest, breathe through your gut, like you have to go <sighs> like one from your chest, one from your gut, and then let it out, and then you have to do that repeatedly, and I could not stop laughing. It wasn't because I thought it was ridiculous. For some reason, the breathing made me laugh uncontrollably because I was just like, every time I would do it, I would just go, oh my. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird, but it was an interesting experience because I do believe that anxiety can turn into excitement and vice versa. If you have control over it, that's just how I believe. So that kind of proves my point when I when I did that, when I uh, watched Good Mythical Morning at that in, with that YouTube video, um, that it, it was really weird because you did feel all of the um, symptoms of anxiety, but you were in control of it, which is incredibly strange but it was really cool um i liked it <laughs> maybe you've seen photos of wim hof standing uh in standing encased in ice and nearly two hours of running up mount everest wearing only shorts okay 
that was just a quote from the article. But this is a long article. I'm really sorry uh, if I'm boring you. The next step is cold exposure. Um, Hoff likes to immerse himself in freezing water, but even a minute under a cold shower will do, during which the mind panics, activating the fight-or-flight response. Very true. Very true. That's one of the reasons why um, people panic when they're going under hypothermia is because the mind panics. Um, people who are, who freeze, who are like, I, I don't know, there were a lot of survival stories on Animal Planet that I used to watch about this stuff, so... Um, the, the mind panics first and then the body follows, which, uh, I, I do believe that, you know, fear is very, very much, um, a problem, especially with the body. Um, but the point Hoff says is to override this, calm your shrieking inner voice, relax and focus on generating warmth in your body. Wow. Visualize a ball of fire in your chest, he advises. Meanwhile, you've flooded your brain with cells of oxygen, perked up uh, your vascular system, squirted out endorphins, taken your mind by the reins, and brought yourself fully into the present moment. It's a full-body reset. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that he said that. A full-body reset. Hoff says, uh, If this regimen enabled uh, only the ability to withstand bitter cold, uh, that would still be worthwhile, but it appears to do far more than that. Over the past decade, researchers from major universities have studied Hoff and found solid evidence that even practicing this his method, he can control his own body temperature, nervous system, and immune response. See, I like that. I feel like he's kind of tapped into some sort of um, way that we should all live. Um, I I just love that. I love seeing people like this because it's like a testimony to everybody else. Like you can do it too. Um, I'm pretty sure this guy don't even have any fear or anxiety attacks. Like there's so many people out there that are suffering from depression and anxiety attacks. Sometimes you have to be exposed to the fear in order to conquer it. You have to stare it right in the face. And I love that Wim Hof actually does this with his life. If he's scared of something, he confronts it and he battles it. It's incredible. A lot of people nowadays just want to be, you know, coddled by therapists and and doctors about their anxiety and they just want to be medicated and feel comfortable, but Hoff has found a way to help people conquer that and recover from that. I love that. It's not just about the inner health of the body, it's also the the health of the mind. And that is so cool. I'm excited to keep reading this. Um, Let's see. And the immune response findings that are head scratchers for medical science because humans aren't supposed to be able to do any of that. Well... Human beings are so surprising and wonderful. Um, It's how documented, or it's now documented in peer-reviewed papers that, among other things, Hoff may be able to turn on uh, at will his body's tap of opiates and cannabinoids. 
euphoria-inducing chemicals that provide natural pain relief, and an overall sense of well-being. What's more, Hoff insists if he can do this, he can... Or so can the rest of us. Everybody has control by their psychology. Hang on. I have to read that again. <laughs> Everybody has control by their psychology over their physiology. Oh, wow. Mind over body is pretty much what it is. I love that. Um, it's an innate capacity. Uh, it's like you've got a shortcut to your own house, but you don't know it. Wow. That's awesome. Hoff's cold tolerance and psychologic, psycho, physiologic, sorry, uh, control would be remarkable enough if he were a Navy SEAL himself or packing an extra hundred pounds of insulating body fat. But he's lean, six foot, two hundred pounds, and just a hint of belly. <laughs> You just had to put that in there, but okay. Uh, with no sp special athletic credentials beyond being a former free climber and having a startling degree of flexibility from years of yoga practice, um, the ability to put your foot behind your head, uh, <laughs> however, is no guarantee that you'll be able to run a half marathon above the Arctic Circle in a bathing suit. <laughs> so, is Hoff some kind of genetic human mutant? No. Uh, how does he avoid crippling frostbite or hypothermia or worse? What the hell is going on here? To date, scientific, scientific studies on the specific health benefits of cold exposure have been inconclusive, but there is growing evidence that it contributes to overall wellness by revving metabolism. Reducing inflammation, relieving depression, and strengthening the cardiovascular system, among other benefits. And Hoff's recipe, which adds breathing exercises, may yield further advantages. The combination of breath work and cold plunges is very effective, said Kevin Devin Davidson. Davison? a Maui neuropathic physician who specializes in regenerative medicine. That, that's what I wanted to say. Uh, first, you're increasing lymphomic flow through the breathing, uh, and that recruits lymph lymphocytes and natural killer cells into the bloodstream. There... The cells <laughs> that are out there looking for invading bacteria, viruses, pathogens, and the cold plunge kicks that into even kicks that even more. So it kicks it into the gear like farther, faster. Um, so you're re so you're getting your whole system jumped up to the next level of immune protection. Um, undeniably at the time or at a time when coronavirus is uh, dervishing through the population we could all use an extra edge suddenly cold has become very hot <laughs> uh, 
I went to Iceland last fall to spend time with Hoth to and watch him in action because, like so many others, I'm intrigued by his story. Hoth is training himself to hang by a finger between two hot air balloons. What? In Wim's world, work and play are the same thing. You do what you love with people you love, and you love everybody, even society. Even society's worst assholes. <laughs> Uh, nature is everything uh, inspiration and fuel if you trust the messages of nature, nature will trust you as a messenger what's crazy to Hoff is choosing to function on low throttle uh, being sort of miserable feeling kind of crummy and thinking that's the sum of what what's to offer I'm not afraid to die, he says I'm afraid not to live oh, that's, that's awesome Let's see. I almost didn't get out in time, he says. Um, I believe this left an imprint on me. I was always different. Growing up in the Netherlands, Hoff uh, was a seeker. At 12, he was reading books on esoteric philosophy and Zen Buddhism, dabbling in yoga. I I don't agree with that, but I mean, if that's what floats your boat, meh. Um, the teaching himself, or and teaching himself meditation. Let's see. During yoga, he'd experienced the power of breath work, so he repeated the reflexive gasp to test his effects. Its effects. This wasn't a new strategy. Um, ask any free diver, but Hoff eventually dis- discerned the best intervals for cold tolerance. It was instinctive he recalls if you breathe deeply you harness yourself suddenly you become stronger in this very hostile environment and you learn hey i can stay longer and longer over the years hoff has repeatedly offered himself up as a guinea pig aiming to gain hard evidence of his methods effectiveness this results or the results have been impressive in one study, uh, he was injected with an E. coli bacterial toxin that includes fever, nausea, headache, chills. The works. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, when Hoff sailed through that test, uh, with virtually no flu-like symptoms, doctors were stunned. It appeared he had been uh, able to flood his body with adrenaline to stave off the toxic effects. We thought this was just not possible. I, or In the afternoon, we hit as many icy locations as possible while the crew films Hoff doing Hoff-like things. There is no shortage of dramatic opin- options. Um, icebergs, ice fields, ice boulders, ice caves, ice lakes, icy streams, and more ice-filled lagoons. We can pick uh, anything here. Hoff asks. Shit. <laughs> I love that he just yells out cuss words, like, ecstatically. Um, it's like, can- it's like a candy store. <laughs> he meditates in a lotus position and on a slab of ice generating so much body heat that when he gets up, there's a melted depression where he was sitting. Dang, dude. Okay. 
He's still clad in shorts and sandals with a fresh pink t-shirt. <laughs> His wet hair is pulled back into a man bun and for some reason he's wearing a navy blue cloth bag on his head like a hat. I'm done. Let's do the character. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Coming off the trail, a team of mountaineers in polar jackets, snow pants and hats, uh, crampons and harnesses, toting ropes and ice axes, <laughs> uh, give, off, give Hoff's outfit a double take. Looking good, guys. <laughs> Shouts waving. Dang. I have to keep. I have to skim through the article, but because it, it's so long, I won't be able to read all of it. But uh, if you guys want to read it yourselves, it's outsideonline.com, um, where the article is. So, the water is cold here. Hoff notes, colder than the ice lagoon this morning. I think so. He says. Um, here. It wants to eat you. What? He gives the icebergs nod of respect. These are strange beings when you get close, he says. <laughs> Altogether mystical. Um, they showed the colors uh, like thousands of diamonds when they when you get close. It's all diamonds. Aww. So he's, just, he's kind of admiring the ice. And that's pretty cool. Let's see here. I just gotta keep skimming because this is so much. Okay, let's let's read right here. The ice bath isn't fun in the usual sense of the word, but it is thrilling. I can feel the cold as a real force, but somehow I'm detached from it. Probably because I'm pumped with adrenaline and I've spent at least the past 30 minutes shouting and punching the air in unison with hundreds of fellow ice bathers. Or bathers. Um, I stare into the middle distance, uh, thinking calm thoughts and humming loudly. Whenever the urge arises to bolt from the water, I shunt that impulse aside and focus on my breathing. The burning sensation in my hands and feet, distracting but not intolerable, two minutes zip by. I'm alive. A guy next to me roars. Uh... My group stands up, and we're as pink as shrimp. Um, instantly, I want to do it again. In fact, I crave it. The ice bath was a high, all right. Um, a full spirit wake-up call served with a cocktail of the body's finest chemicals. Now that I've experienced it, I am sold. This feeling doesn't disappear either. In the months since I left Iceland, I've continued to practice Hoff's method, um, setting up an ice bath in my own backyard. Yes! We spend a few minutes embracing the high-fiving, milling around barefoot on the sleet, uh, encrusted cement. Nobody fails to complete the challenge Everybody looks like they're having a blast. Hoff watches us smiling as like a Cheshire cat. Uh, then he calls the next group into the ice. And that is the lovely article on Wim Hoff. I'm going to like it because you can like this stuff on the Meg's app. And we're going to go straight to the next one. Um, I will say 
uh, any breathing exercises or anything that, um, you know, I've talked about in the, um, article, make sure you do it in moderation, especially the breathing. You might have to, um, talk to your doctor about that, but you know, I don't want to advise that after just reading such a powerful article, but, um, anybody who has, you know, breathing problems, make sure that you take this breathing exercises in, you know, moderation because, uh, you have to start slow with, with all of that. But anyway, next article. I think it's time for a break. Let's go. Alright, the next segment is just news that I find interesting and will read to y'all. So yes, we have a little break within the seriousness, so let's just go. You know what I forgot? I forgot my tagline, people! Jump into the trenches with me! Let's go! Okay, this one I found interesting. This one came off of the app called Mix. It used to be StumbleUpon.com a long time ago, so let's read this. Uh, I love it how they just... There we go. Never mind. Eight secret societies you might not know. Can you not? I hate pop-up ads. Anyway. By their very name, secret societies inspire curiosity, fascination, and distrust. This might actually give me some, um, good ideas of, uh, down the rabbit hole. Anyway, when the Washington Post broke the story last month that Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia spent his final hours in the company of members of a secret society for elite hunters, people instantly wanted to know more about the group. The fraternity in question International Order of the Saint... Hubertus, uh, was incorporated by the Count Anton von Sprock in in 1695 and was originally intended to gather the greatest noble hunters of the 17th century, particularly in Bohemia, Austria, and countries of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, ruled by Habsburgs, Habsburgs, according to the official website, after the organization desi- denied membership to Nazis. Uh, notability, or no- notably, uh, military leader Hermann uh, Göring, Hitler dissolved it, but the order re-emerged after World War II, and an American chapter was founded in the 1960s. Let's see, the order is just one of many clandestine organizations that exist today. Though the popularity of these secret clubs peaked uh, in the 18th and 19th centuries, writes Noah Schachtman for Wired. I hate it when they have to cite their sources in the middle of a 
good article, it just kind of throws me off. Back then, many of these societies served as safe places for open dialogue about everything from academia to religious discourse removed from the restrictive eye of the church and state. And uh, these societies were incubators of democracy, modern science, and ecumenical. What? Ecumenical religion. I don't even know. Uh, they elected their own leaders and drew up con- constitutions to govern their own operations. So basically, they just wanted to have their own government within the government. Sounds like the Illuminati to me, but anyway. Uh, It wasn't an accident that Voltaire, George Washington, and Ben Franklin were all active members. And just like today's uh, networked radicals, much of their power was uh, wrapped up in their ability to stay anonymous and keep their communication secret. The emphasis on secret uh, was what inspired uh, so much distrust in the exclusive clubs. Uh, no less than the New York Times weighed in on secret societies in 1880, who wholly, or not wholly dismissing the theory that Freemasonry brought about the Civil War and acquitted President Johnson and has committed or concealed crimes without number. The Times comments, This able theory of Freemasonry is not so readily believed as the theory that the European secret societies are the ruling power in Europe. But there are still many people as yet outside the lunatic asylum who firmly believe it. Many religious leaders uh, felt at the very least conflicted about secret uh, orders. In 1887, Reverend T.D. Witt Talmadge wrote his, his sermon on moral effect of Freemasonry. I didn't know this was about Freemasonry, or is this just the first one? At some point, I would like to research a lot about Freemasonry because there's so much to unpack there. So much. Um, Odd Fellowship Knights of Labor, Greek Alphabet, and other societies. The reverend who said he had hundreds of personal friends who belonged to orders used Proverbs 25.9 Discover not a secret to another to ask his audience to question whether or not being a member of a secret society would be a positive or negative decision for them. Meanwhile, that same week, Cardinal James Gibbons um, took a more definitive stand on secret orders, saying they had no excuse for existence. In the United States, in the late 19th century, there was enough of a national uproar against secret societies. I like to know... Um, the, the eight secret societies that, um, that we are trying to get into, because I don't want to be sitting here reading the whole article if it's not. Okay, 
I think we got it here. Hang on. If my phone would act correctly. Let's see. The Improved Benevolent and Protective Order of the Elks of the World. So, in 1907, the Seattle Republican reported on the Order of the Elks, writing, It is claimed by members and officers uh, that it is one of the most thriving secret societies um, among Afro-Americans of the city. Uh, according to the nonprofit African American Registry, the Fraternal Order was founded in Cincinnati, Ohio, in 1899, after two black men were denied admission to the benevolent and protective order of the Elks of the world, uh, which is still popular today and despite questions raised on uh, discriminative, bleh, discriminative uh, practices, now allows any American citizen 21 years or older who believes in God to be invited to join its ranks. The two men decided to take the order's name and make their own club around it, um, formally called the Improved Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks of the World. The order was once considered to be uh, at the center of the black community. During the era of segregation, the lodge was one of the few places where black men and women could socialize, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote. Uh, in recent years, however, the Post-Gazette com commented that the secret organization has struggled to retain its relevance. Still, the secret society continues to sponsor educational scholarship programs, youth summer uh, computer literacy camps, parades, as well as community service activities throughout the world. That's cool. But I kind of want the shady ones, though. <laughs> the Grand Orange Lodge. I feel like this is just scratching the surface of, like, uh, organizations like the Freemasons and stuff like that. Like, are these shady or are these just ones that you would rather give out Smithsonian magazine huh okay um the grand orange lodge known more commonly as the orange order okay i've heard of this is this about never mind i'm not even going to suspect anything i'm just going to keep going i know i'm annoying i'm sorry uh, got his name from prince william the 3rd the prince of orange and was founded after the Battle of the Diamond outside a small village in modern-day Northern Ireland called Lochgill. Um, Loch... Lochgill. How do you say that? Oh my goodness. Loth... Lothgill. We're gonna say Lothgill. Um, its purpose was to protect pr Protestants. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I get it. I know what the Orange Order is. Okay. Yeah, and that's why in 1849, Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, George William Frederick Villiers, Villiers um, captured the ire of Dublin's Waterford News for supporting the society. The paper wrote, Lord, ow, what the heck is going on with my eye? Um, Lord Clarendon has been holding communication with an illegal society in Dublin for upwards of 10 days 
the Grand Orange Lodge, with its secret signs and passwords, has been plotting with his excellency during the whole of that period. This may seem strange, but it is a fact. At the time, secret societies were banned from Ireland as they were said to have acted in antagonism to the Land League, an Irish political organization according to Ireland's official records and statistics of eviction and crime. Okay, so... uh, To give you guys a little bit of a a pop culture reference, if you guys haven't actually watched Dairy Girls, uh, it's on Netflix. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, I think it's hilarious, but um, the whole story is about, you know, the director or the creator of Dairy Girls, like her um, life and how some of the things that the characters go through were um, some things that she went through when she was a kid. So it's basically life in the 90s, like the early 1990s, probably late 80s, where um, Londonderry was fought over by the Irish and the um, British. So they were kind of fighting over this territory, trying to figure out you know, where Northern Ireland uh, kind of ended and, you know, where Britain started, I guess. Because Northern Ireland it has always been a territory of um, England or of Britain. So at some point, you know, during that time, it was hard for children to go to school It was hard for people to kind of just um, live a normal life because there were so many bomb threats at that time, kind of just, there were so many rebellions going on at that time in Londonderry, and um, all they wanted was peace. But anyway, um, this is a, is a, why can't I talk? When I want to talk, it's hard for me to talk. I'm weird, but um, basically it's just life uh, in Londonderry in in the 90s and um, and how, you know, kids at that time had to, you know, go through all of that. So um, in one of the episodes, the Orange Order starts marching down the streets in Derry because um, they don't like... Catholics. Like, that's what I got from the show, is that they don't like Catholics. They don't believe that Catholics have the right to live and all that stuff. So, um, because of that, the characters had to leave their home and, you know, go up, like, farther north in order to stay safe. Um, but check out Dairy Girls on Netflix. It's awesome. I love that show. (laughs) Um, let's see here. Where did I leave off? I'm sorry, I lost my place while I was talking. Protect Protestants, and that's why in 1849, the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, da 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 da. 
banned from Ireland as they were said to have acted in antagonism to the Land League, uh, an Irish political organization, according to Ireland's official records and statistics of eviction and crime. All right. The Grand Orange Lodge is still around today with clubs in Ireland as well as others around the world. Prospective members of the president Protestant fraternity don't take a pledge. They just have to affirm their acceptance of the principles of reformation, as well as loyalty to their country. As to the question of whether they are anti-Roman Catholic, uh, the official website states, Orangism is a positive rather than a negative force. It wishes to promote the reformed faith based on the infallible word of God. The Bible, Orangism, uh, does not foster uh, resentment or intolerance. Condemnation of religious ideology is directed against the church doctrine and not against individual adherents or members. See, okay, if that's true, because I don't know much about the Orange Order. If that's true, that's awesome. Because we need people more we need more people speaking out against church doctrine uh, more. Because a lot of people believe that if they go to their church, they're speaking right out of the Bible. That's great. They are. But it's one-sided gospel. Let, let, let's not just... That's a whole other topic I am passionate about. But let's go. The Independent Order of Odd Fellows. Interesting. Perhaps one needs to be a member of the altruistic and friendly society known as the Independent Order of Oddfellows to know for sure when the club first started, but the first written record of the order comes in 1812. However, it references George IV. Okay. Even before he was named Prince Regent of the United Kingdom, George IV had been a member of the Freemasons. Not a surprise. <laughs> um, but as the story goes, when he wanted to uh, wanted a relative of his to be admitted to the society without having to endure the lengthy initiation process, uh, the requests was empathetically denied. Um, George IV left the order declaring he would establish a rival club. According to a history of the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows, published by the Philadelphia Evening Telegraph in 1867, however, traces of the club's origins all the way back to 1066. Interesting. Regardless of how... It first started, uh, thanks, website. Okay, hang on. Regardless of how it first started, it's fair to say that, uh, the king got his wish. I'm sorry, the website is going nuts. So, the independent order of the Odd Fellows is still around today, and the club counted British Prime Ministers Winston Churchill and Stanley Baldwin among its ranks. The Odd Fellows, as they call themselves, are grounded in the ideals of friendship, love, and truth. 
There are real skeletons in the Order's lodges they are used to they use during initiation to remind its members of their morality, the Washington Post reported. So why do you have skeletons in your lodges? What? That doesn't sound like love and truth. That sounds like fear and craziness. Anyway, that's that's all of that. That's all the information they gave us. Okay. Let's see. The Knights of the Pythias. Knights of the Pythias uh, was founded by Justice H. Rathbone in a government employee in Washington, D.C. in 1864. Um, He felt there was a moral need for an organization that practiced brotherly love. Okay. See, this is the problem with secret societies. They, they, I'm sure that they've all had, like, some sort of good upstanding reason to be in that foundation or in that club in, in order to, like, create it. But we all know all of them are nuts. They all get crazy. Which would make sense seeing as the country was in the midst of civil war, the name of a reference or is a reference to the Greek legend of Damon and Pythias. The Pythagorean ideal of friendship. All of its founding members. Why can't I talk? All of its founding members worked for the government in some some capacity. And it was the first fraternal order to be charted by an act of Congress. The order's official website writes, The Knights of Pythias colors are blue, yellow, and red. Blue signifies friendship, yellow, charity, and red benevolence. And the North Carolina Evening Chronicle wrote uh, in a special edition celebrating the 50th anniversary of the club in 1914. The Knights of Pythias is still active and is a partner of the Boy Scouts of America. That's scary. I don't trust any secret organizations. Why you gotta side with the freaking Boy Scouts? Anyway. Uh, the second organization to receive its charter from the United States Congress. The Ancient Order of the Foresters. Alright. Known today as Foresters Friendly Society, the Ancient Order of the Foresters was initially established in 1834, according to the Society's website, albeit under a slightly different name. The Ancient Order was created before state health insurance began in England, so the club offered sick benefits to its working class members. Interesting. In 1874, the American and Canadian branches left the Ancient Order to set up the Independent Order of the Foresters. Uh, Candidates looking to be admitted to the club had to pass an examination by a competent physician who is himself bound by his connection with the Order. 
The Boston Weekly Globe wrote in 1879, the society still provides insurance policies today for its members who also engage in a variety of community service activities. All right. The Ancient Order of the United Workmen, John Jordan Upchurch, and 13 others in Meadville, Pennsylvania, founded the Ancient Order of United Workmen in 1868 with the goal of battering conditions for the working class. Like the Foresters, it set up protections for its members initially should a member die, all brothers of the order contributed a dollar to the member's family. And that number would eventually be capped at $2,000. Hey, that's cool. Um, Workman is no longer around, but its legacy continues as the order unintentionally created a new kind of insurance uh, that would influence other fraternal groups to add an insurance provision in their constitutions. The Periodic Order of Sons of America. This kind of reminds me of the Sons of Liberty, though, just by hearing that name. The Patriarch... Give me a minute, I can't talk. (laughs) I'm, I'm just starting to wake up right now, and it's noon, so... The Patriotic Order, Sons of America, dates back to the early days of the American Republic, according to its official website. Following in the footsteps of the Sons of Liberty, I knew it, <laughs> the Order of the United Americans, Americans and Guards of Liberty, the Patriotic Sons of America, which later added word order to its name, became the most progressive, most popular, most influential, as well as uh, strongest patriotic organizations in the United States in the early 20th century. Um, the The Allentown leader wrote in 1911, How progressive the order actually was is up to interpretation. In 1891, the Sons of America refused to delete the word whites in its constitution, defeating a proposition that would allow black men to apply. Uh, Today, the order opens its memberships up to all native-born and naturalized male Americans, or male citizens 16 years and older, who believe in their country and its institutions, who desire to perpetuate... um, free government and who wish to encourage brotherly feeling among Americans to the end that we may exult for our country to join us in our work of fellowship and love. That's really cool. The In the 1870s, 24 foremen and supervisors in the coal mines of Pennsylvania were assassinated. The suspect culprit, members of the secret society of Molly. Oh, is there another one? Oh, the Molly Magiers. Okay. Members of the secret society Molly Magiers, an organization with Irish origins brought to the United States by Irish immigrants. The Magiers, or the McGuires? Is it the McGuires? It's the McGuires, Jesus. Uh, likely uh, got its name because. Um, 
members used women's clothing as a disguise. <laughs> what? Didn't I tell you one day that initi- initiation into the Illuminati did um, kind of consist of men wearing dresses and shit? That this is just the same thing. Um, as a disguise while allegedly carrying out its illegal acts. Uh, I'm gonna have to do something about this one. I'm gonna have to look into this one. The Molly Maguires. The group was finally undone by a mole planted by the framed Pinkerton Detective Agency, uh, which was hired by the mining companies to investigate the group in a series of criminal trials. 20 Maguires were sentenced to death by hanging... Uh, the Order of the Sons of St. George, um, another secret organization, which was founded in 1871 t- opposite the Maguires, also appears to have vanished. And that's the article, guys. That was interesting. found an interesting article. Let's uh, read that one real quick. The five telltale signs you were raised by a narcissist. Unrealistic standards, totally immature, dealing with a narcissistic parent is a drag. But uh, there are proven ways to deal. So, what is your relationship like with your parents? You know, those conversations when you're just sitting there and it feels like it's the other person's show and you're just watching. Or those times when you make your problems seem smaller. Or when they make your problems seem smaller. When it's a persistent pattern and when it broadly involves extreme selfishness or self-centeredness, it's considered narcissistic personality disorder or NPD. Okay, that's the easy solution. Or no, the easy solution is to cut out those people um, from your life, says Casey Stanton, PhD, a psychology professor at Western University in London, um, Ontario. London, Ontario. Okay. Um, But... What if it's the very people who raised you, your parents? Dealing with narcissistic parent can uh, put a strain on your relationship because you might hold them to a higher standard than other people in your life. Uh, Moreover, growing up in a narcissistic household makes you feel like your parents can never be wrong. If you sense that you might have had a narcissistic parent. There are common signs and some expert tips on how to deal with them. What is a narcissist? First, a brief explainer on what makes a narcissist. According to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, narcissism is defined as a Persuade no pervasive pattern of 
grandiosity. Okay. Uh, need for information and lack of empathy. Uh, it usually begins on or in early childhood and presents in a variety of ways, including having a grandulous uh, sense of self-importance, being preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited successes, um, believing he or she is special and can be understood by other special people. Okay. Requires excessive admiration. Has a sense of entitlement like unreasonable expectations of uh, of especially favorable treatment or automatic uh, compliance with his or her expectations. Okay. Sorry, I had to blow my nose. Alright. Um, is interpersonally exploitative. Okay. Um, they take advantage of others and achieve, or to achieve his or her own needs. Or ends. Lacks empathy and is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. Um is often envious of others and believes that others are envious of them or or him or her. So, mm-hmm. Shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Mm-hmm. In order for someone to be diagnosed with NPD, they must meet a minimum of five or more of these patterns. However, this these criteria... Um, aren't always that black and white, says Stanton. Uh, we're all a little narcissistic to various degrees, but it's when uh, it becomes pathological that you need to worry, he says. All right. Signs you have a narcissistic mother or father. So what are the signs uh, you need to... Uh, a parent-child relationship that begin bordering on pathological. We asked Stanton to explain a few. Okay. Their Saturn their standards are unrealistically high. Let's see. Those with NPD often have high standards for others. That could potentially extend to their children. That could mean thinking their child is the best and deserves recognition. Or seeing uh, the child as an extension of themselves. Uh, Narcissism can also manifest as thinking their child needs to be a superstar in a career. Or very good looking beyond a reasonable standard. It really becomes... A problem when it affects others, like a parent contacting a child's coach or professors, when, or which creates more issues for the child who might be viewed more negatively. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of also goes with any like manipulative parent too, because uh, I feel like manipulative parents 
or just toxic parents in general can pick a child to be the golden child, the the child that they favor the most. So that those characteristics like contacting the coach and everything is just it's uh, spot on for also manipulative toxic parents who have multiple children and they kind of rank their kids. Um, they don't seem to care about what's happening in your life. Ha! Huh. Yeah. Does your parent fre- <laughs> frequently tell you everything going on in their lives without ever asking you what's going on in yours? Or do you, or do they tell you um, just to put on a happy fit. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Just be happy. Um, despite what you're really feeling. If you find yourself sweeping your feelings under a carpet, this could be a red flag that you have a narcissistic parent. The parent is too preoccupied with their own needs to tend to yours. We often think of the ideal parent as one who puts children first, their children's needs first, um, says Stanton. But someone who lacks empathy and a perspective is likely to, or is likely going to have a much harder time as they may struggle and recognize children's needs when they choose needs when those needs should be addressed i'm really sorry i just woke up and i was just like i gotta finish this podcast (laughs) um sometimes you feel like you're the parent if you've yeah yep there are times when that has happened wow okay if you've been acting more like a caretaker uh than a child since you were young um, this is one of this is one of the ways your parent could be taking advantage of you. Other ways could include borrowing money from you without repaying. Sometimes a parent will also do something nice for their child, like praising, complimenting, or helping with chores, but they expect their children to return this favor with a lot of praise. Um, explains Stanton. Yeah. Yeah, they expect you to worship them. A parent who is domineering or authoritarian um, often needs a lot of attention and praise. An example is a parent expecting whatever they say or do to be followed or respected without question from others. They might lash out at children or other family members if they don't receive what they deem to be enough praise or attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see. They truly believe you are perfect. No. (laughs) Every parent believes uh, about their... Um, Give me a minute. Every parent believes about their kids... That don't make any sense. Okay, every parent believes that about their kids, but narcissists take it to an extreme. Another common trait of narcissistic parents is projecting their own narcissism on their children 
by seeing them as a perfect or special um, beyond reproach. A narcissistic parent might interpret uh, any negative feedback or setback that their child has as others being jealous of their child or being out to get them because they're jealous. So, yeah. Um, narcissistic family members or parents will always find that one child to protect, uh, whether this child deserves it or not. Um, most of the time they don't deserve it because they've done so many unspeakable things or just they're always doing something wrong, but it doesn't matter to the narcissistic parent because that's the kid that they've chosen to love. That's the kid that they've chosen to protect and love, saying, well, you don't understand, and, you know, he he or she's doing all right, they're just being kids, they're just being a girl or a boy, like, those are the big, um, excuses to get the golden child out of any type of punishment, um, and it's super annoying, um, how to deal with narcissistic parents. Good news, according to Stanton, uh, is that you don't have to cut off your relationship with your parent. Um, that depends, Stanton. Um, talking it out will definitely help. A lot of the skills would apply even with working with non-narcissistic parent communi communicating your needs and focusing on how you're feeling. For example, you'd say, it really hurts me when you judge my appearance rather than you make me feel hurt. As soon as they hear you statement, Stanton says it puts them on the defensive. It is important to set clear boundaries and expectations uh, because unlike a friend or partner, you're, you usually can't cut them off out of your lives quite that easily. Like I said, my friend, it depends. <laughs> Another way to facilitate behavior change is to appeal to their generosity a bit, Stanton says. In, their other, in other words, use some of their own traits on them. That would be, or what would be in it for them to approach the situation in a different way. I'd come at it this way. You're a great parent when you do this, but I want things to be that way. How about we compromise? He says. You can also use this approach if you're a parent or co-parenting with a narcissist. Even if it's positive behavior, it's rare. Um, it, reward it with praise when you can such as telling your partner you appreciate when they gave you or your child a compliment system. Um, I like calling people out for what they are. I don't like beating around the bush. That's just me. I, I will tell somebody bluntly, you're a narcissist. You need to get help. And I know that's not always the right way of saying things to people. But that's just me. I have always done that. That's just me. I have called people out for being narcissists. 
I have, and um, I don't know. It, it's just something that I I don't like the bullcrap anymore, like in, in my life personally. So walking upon eggshells for somebody that has made me feel inferior, personally, just it doesn't. I don't, I will not put up with it anymore, you know. Um, that's just me. Uh, over time, focusing on rewarding those positive behaviors, behavior, behaviors, guys, behaviors uh, from them, don't we all just want to be rewarded, uh, will help increase the frequency of the positive rather than the negative. Okay. And that's the whole article. I like it. It's a nice article. Um, it's interesting how they kind of say, you know, reinforce positivity to fight that narcissism because the narcissism is the negative. It's just me. I'll call it out and be like, listen, you being a jerk. Stop it. <laughs> Get some help. Alright, next up is world news. Let's go! We are doing the United Kingdom, Kenya, and Finland. Let's go. Alright, we have some news out of the United Kingdom, people. Jailed for fifth. I hate these pop-ups. Jeez. Jailed for 51 weeks for protesting, Britain is becoming a police state by stealth. The government's backdoor attendance to the policing bill are tyrannical. We should be on the streets in our millions. Uh, this is proper police state stuff. The last minute uh, amendments crowbarred by the government into the police crime sentencing and courts bill are a blatant attempt to stifle protest. If or of the kind you might expect in Russia or Egypt, Priti, uh, Priti Patel, um, uh, the Home Secretary, shoved uh, 18 extra pages into the bill after it passed through the Commons and after the second reading in the House of Lords. It looks like a deliberate ploy to avoid uh, effective parliamentary scrutiny. Um, yet in most of the media, there's a resounding silence. Among the new amendments are measures that would ban protesters from uh, attaching themselves to another person, to an object, or to land. Uh, not only would they take I'm sorry. Not only will they make locking on a crucial tool of protests the world over illegal, but they are loosely drafted or they are so loosely drafted that they could apply to anyone holding on to anything. Um, in 
on pain of up to 51 weeks of imprisonment. Jesus Christ. Listen. UK government, you need to chill. You do. You just need to chill. People have the right to protest. I know y'all don't like it, but guess what? The people will always have the last word because you're supposed to be there to protect the people, so you still have to really listen. You really... You should, anyway. The world is fucked up. Uh... It would also become a criminal offense to obstruct in any way major transport works from being carried out. Again, with maximum and maximum sentence of 51 weeks in jail. Um, this looks like an attempt to end meaningful protest against road building and airport expansion. Other amendments would greatly expand police stop and search powers, the police would be entitled to stop and search people or vehicles if they suspect they might be carrying any article that could be used in the newly prohibited protests, presumably including placards, flyers, and banners. That's the whole point of protesting, that you guys see their words. That's just freedom of protest. Other new powers would grant police to or the right to stop and search people without suspicion if they believe that protest will occur in that area. Anyone who resists being searched to be imprisoned for you guessed it up to fifty one weeks. That's fascism, people. That's that's not that that's just terrible. That's fascism. People out here calling Republicans with a with an unpopular opinion fascists. How about you call the uh, United Kingdom government right now fascists because they they won't let anybody protest. Uh, existing stop search powers are used disproportionately against black and brown people who are six times as likely to be stopped as white people. The new powers would create an even greater distinctive for people of color to protest when the media can continue to birate protest movements for being overwhelmingly white and unrepresentative. Why does it always have to come down to color nowadays? I mean, if you want to protest, go and protest. It shouldn't matter. I know it does, but it shouldn't matter what color your skin is to protest. You do realize that this whole racist thing, this whole white privilege thing was cooked up by the government? You you do realize that, and... Society has lapped it up like freaking honey. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Not everybody is white privileged when they're white. Just understand that. Not everybody is privileged when they're white. White people have gone through it too, okay? We don't expect anything from black people. We don't. We just want to be friends with everybody. Because we don't see racism like everybody else. And I think that's a good thing. I really do. 
But let me not veer off the path right now. Perhaps most outrageously, the amendments contain new powers to ban named people from protesting. What named people? Oh, okay, yeah, people that are, like, in suspicion, so, like, if they know the name of that person, I get it, okay. The grounds are extraordinary. In a nation that claims to be democratic, uh, we can be banned if we have previously committed protest-related offenses thanks to the draconian measures. Is that how you say it? Draconian? Okay. In the rest of the bill, many of which predate these amendments. It will now be difficult to attend a protest without committing an offense. Who cares? Like, I understand nobody wants to get jailed for 51 weeks and that's gonna just keep people silent, but I would- I would do it anyways. I would. I would not care. I'm all about speaking up for yourself or losing yourself. That's my motto. Speak up for yourself or lose yourself. So, the people out there that have protested, keep doing it. I know it's gonna be hard. I know it's gonna be very um, discouraging at times because now they've put this out and now protesting is an offense. But when millions of people crowd the streets, they cannot control that many people. I've seen you guys do that. Britain, I've seen y'all do that. And it was amazing. You guys are badasses. Keep doing it, please. People need to know what's going on. Um. Yeah. That, that's just my passion coming out. I just... I don't want anybody to be silenced. And the only way that we won't be silenced is if we come together in innumerable innumerable numbers you know and and protesting more that's the only someone tries to tape your mouth shut rip it off and scream louder We can be banned if we have attended or contributed to a protest that was likely to result in serious disruption. Uh, as the bill stands, could mean almost anything including being noisy. If you post something on social media that encourages people to turn up, you could find yourself on the list. Anyone subject to one of these orders, like a paroled prisoner, might be required to present themselves to a uh, the authorities at particular times on particular days. You can also be banned from associating with particular people or using the internet to facilitate or encourage a protest-related offense. Y'all need to chill, dude. Like I just said, the government over there needs to chill. The danger over there is the virus that you guys keep believing in. Or I should say the vaccine. And that's one of the main reasons why um, some of these people have come out to protest. 
is because they don't like what's going on with the vaccine. There's mandates trying to be pushed. I don't know if there's actual mandates now, but yeah. So, um, I understand why there's so many people out there flooding the streets to keep letting people know that this is just fake and wrong. So, I, I don't know. I can't deal with it. I, I hate this. <laughs> I hate this article so much. When you try to silence the people, that's when I get angry. That's when I get really upset. Um, mm-mm. I mean, people are what create the government. If there weren't any people to support the government, the government would be non-existent. These dictators' powers, uh, the country should be in an uproar over them, but we hear barely a squeak. We kill the bill protesters, we have tried uh, valiantly to draw our attention to uh, the tyrant's gambit have been demonished for their plan, for their pains. Um, Otherwise, you would barely know it was happening. Uh, Protest, protest in essential corrective or is an essential corrective to the mistakes of the government. Exactly. The government don't want to be convicted, I see. Uh, Had it not been for the tactics Patel now seeks to ban, the pointless and destructive road-building program the government began in the early 1990s would have continued. Eventually, John John Major's John Mayer, good lord. Um, John Major's government uh, conceded it was a mistake and dropped it. Now governments are making the greatest mistake in human history, driving us towards systematic environmental collapse. As or And Boris Johnson's administration is seeking to ensure that there is nothing we can do to stop it. Yeah, yup, that's communism. The government knows the new powers are illegitimate. Uh, otherwise, it would not have tried to avoid parliamentary scrutiny. These brutal amendments sit alongside Johnson's other attacks on democracy, such as the proposed requirement for voter ID, which could deter 2 million potential electors, most of whom are poor and marginalized, the planned uh, curtailment of the Electoral Commission, the assault on citizens' rights, and mount legal challenges to government policy and the proposed civil disorder or civil orders, I'm sorry, that could see journalists treated as spies and banned from meeting certain people and visiting certain places. So where is everyone? Why isn't this all over the front pages? Why aren't we out on the streets in our millions protesting while we still can? We use our freedoms 
or we lose them and we are very close to losing them. Let's see, we have a small favor to ask. Tens of millions have placed their trust in The Guardian's high-impact journalism since we started publishing 200 years ago. Uh, turning to the, turning to us in moments of crisis, in uncertainty, solidarity, and hope. More than 1.5 million readers in 180 countries have recently taken up to step support us financially, um, keeping us open to all and fiercely independent, with no shareholders or billionaire owner. We can set our own agenda and provide trustworthy journalism that's free from commercial and potential influence offering a counterweight to the spread of misinformation when it's never mattered more. Um, let's see. We can investigate and challenge without fear or favor. We could do this without readers like you. We couldn't do this without readers like you. Um, so yes, if you want to donate to them, go ahead. Um, I don't want to keep advertising for another um, website, but let's see. Yep, that's it. That's it. I still really hate that. Um, I feel like people in general, no matter where you're at, should have the right to protest because, like I said, without the people to govern, you have no freaking government. Without the people to support the government, you have no government. Um, that's just what I believe. And for all of the protesters out there, for all of the people that are still wanting to stand up, please, please do. Because the more times we do it, the more louder we get. And I understand some of you have children and all of that. I'm not saying... You have to do this. I'm saying do what's right for you. Sometimes protesting isn't always the right thing in personal lives. That's fine. But I am saying that's something that you feel like you absolutely have to do. I applaud you for it when you do do it because the government doesn't always know best. to find a different one because I was thinking about doing one um, article but I want to do something else let's see here judicial independence for activism say goodbye to your what okay world lobby awards jailed Hong Kong publisher Catholic Church returns Simba um You guys are just gonna search with me real quick because I really don't feel like going back and pausing everything. Let's do this one. This one has uh, popped up on many different articles. So it it's from the Jerusalem Post. 
but um, with the help of Kenya police and Kenyan government, uh, they were able to arrest this man. So, um, Iranian arrested in Kenya for planning terror attacks against Israeli targets report. Iranian Mohammed Saeed Golabi was released. Re- why can't I talk? Was arrested in Kenya for coordinating uh, a terror cell in Nairobi, attacking both Israeli and local sites. Can I please get to the article? Is that it? Is that the whole thing? Oh, read more. Jesus. An Iranian man, Mohammed Saeed Golobi, uh, has been arrested in Kenya on suspicion for planning terror attacks against local and Israeli interests, according to an exclusive report on the daily Kenyan newspaper, The Star. Kenyan police had monitored the activities of Golobi and his local associates and were convinced of his links to terror activities, multiple Kenyan police sources told the star. Let's see, we have profiled him and his contacts over time, said a senior officer at Kenya's anti-terrorism police unit. Um, We have enough reason to believe that he has been working with those terror groups. Golobi visited the religion or the region, Jesus, the region frequently and is suspected of working with a group of Kenyans to gather intelligence against uh, establishments with private and state-owned with the aim of attacking them, the report said. The announcement came during a period of heightened security in the East African country after three terror convicts uh, escaped recently from a maximum security prison, the report said. The three were later captured as they tried to make their way to Somalia to join their terror group Al-Shabaab that has links to Al-Qaeda. In 2015, Kenyan authorities arrested two Iranians um, suspected of planning an attack in Nairobi. The Kenyan Interior Ministry announced that at the time. Uh, in June 2012, two Iranians were arrested and were found to be in possession of 15 kilograms of explosives that uh, they had planned to use carry out bombings uh, in Kenyan cities. Investigators said at the time that it's unclear whether the two had ties to terrorists in Somalia with Al-Qaeda links, uh, or if they were a part of another network. Following other arrests, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, claimed that the men were part of the Iranian plot to attack Israeli targets in Kenya. That's crazy. Ew. (laughs) I just saw a picture. It was kind of... Okay. Well, yeah. I'm really, really happy that the Kenyan police have uncovered this uh, 
secret terrorist attack. I'm really, really happy that uh, they were able to do that. I don't know if you guys... I don't know if um, Kenya is an ally of Israel, but it sounds like it. In in order to keep Israel safe, they, they um, arrested that man, which is amazing. Um, on behalf of Israel... I thank you guys for nabbing that guy. Thank you so much. On the other hand, Finland has been up to no good, and I don't approve. I'm not amused. Finland's capital attack on Israel. This is from the Jerusalem Post. That was a long word for me to start with. Uh, Helsinki city government obligated officials to take actions to stop the city from cooperating with companies that benefit from the illegal Israeli occupation in Judea and Samaria. Okay, this sounds very interesting. Um... It seems that there are still some politicians in Europe that haven't learned lessons from past atrocities. The leading newspaper in Finland, Helsingin, Helsingin Sanomat, uh, reported uh, on recent, recently that the city of Helsinki, the capital of Finland, Finland Every time I try to read fast, it just doesn't work. Um, It intends to attack Israel with the help of its procurement lawyers. The story centers around a decision that the city government made in November, eight obliging city officials and lawyers to take actions to stop the city from cooperating with companies that benefit from illegal Israeli occupation. Um, In Judea and Samaria, which is 4,000 kilometers from Helsinki. It is? It is. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know how far that is, so I just, it sounds unbelievable to me because they're in two separate territories. Israel is in the Middle East, and Finland is in Europe. That. But it's okay. I I probably have something wrong. It's fine. You learn something every day. Practically, this would mean mainly Israeli-Jewish-owned businesses that serve both Arabs and Jews in those areas. Uh, the move had already been re- reviewed and rejected by the city's legal department which determined that it was illegal um, and impossible to pursue. But nonetheless, red-green members of the city government still dissatisfied with their response insisted on a new vote in order to return it back to the lawyers for a new consideration. The city board subsequently approved the initiative on by an 8-7 to vote, with conservatives and right-wing parties opposing it. Helsinki Sonomat 
was delighted with the decision that praised politicians for their courage and values. I don't necessarily understand what's going on. Is it just you guys don't want to receive anything from illegal, illegally hired people in Judea and Samaria? I don't know. If that's the case, I can understand because you don't know where you're going to get your goods from. But I still need to know the the gist of everything, what's going on. This, this decision taken by the city board members of the Social Democratic Party, the Greens, and the Left Alliance not only highlights their limited knowledge of history, but also demonstrates the fact that they have all adopted a strong anti-Semitic mindset in which Israel, the only Jewish state in the world and the only democracy in the Middle East, is also the only country with Helsinki or in which Helsinki seeks to impose sanctions. In addition to Israel, a possible boycott um, would prill primarily target companies owned by or run by Jews. Does this sound familiar? Yes, it does, my friend. It does, and it sounds very, very, um... How do I say this? It sounds very much World War II. And, uh, I don't... So, basically, Finland is refusing to do business with people in Samaria and Judea who have Jewish-owned businesses? Is that what's going on? That's pretty racist, my friends. Um, I love that you guys listen to me, but the, you, the government kind of sucks there. I'm sorry. Um, I don't, I don't like that. The decision made by city government is re- reminiscent of German society in the 1930s when Jews and their businesses were first harassed and persecuted and little by little destroyed from thoughts, speeches, writings, and political decisions, anti-Semitism progressed to the destruction of thousands of synagogues and shops in Kerr, Kristallanchent, I don't know how to pronounce that, Kristallanchent in, um, November 9th, 1938, solely as a result of being Jewish-owned. Just seven years later, six million Jews had been murdered in the Holocaust by the same Nazi regime. It is somewhat grotesque that Kristallnitschent Remembrance Day was marked on the very day the news of the Helsingian Sanomat was uh, published. The decision of the city government reflects the same anti-Semitic spirit. If the politicians in Helsinki were truly just, fair, and interested in promoting human rights, as they believe themselves to be, they would attack the real human rights violators, those who harass, imprison, and kill uh, dissidents, infidels, Jews, and Christians around the world. Yes, these countries can easily be identified, but the politicians are reluctant to do so as it would have hugely negative impact on capital... Dang it. 
Why you gotta do that? I was ha I was actually reading really good. It just decided to glitch on me, and there it goes. There's a pop-up. I love pop-ups, guys. <clears throat> I'm getting there. The politicians in Helsinki... Da -da 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 -da. Yes, the countries can also be easily identified. The politicians are reluctant to do so as it would have hugely negative impact on capital's flow of tourists and income. Um, Helsinki's politician can also adopt um, the IHRA working definition of anti-Semitism that was adopted by dozens of countries and municipalities around the world, the IHRA, clearly states that it is anti-Semitism applying double standards by requiring of it a behavior not, not expected or demanded um, of any democratic nation and anti-Semitic anti discrimination is the denial to Jews of opportunities or services available to others. Helsinki is just one sad example from around the world where anti-Semitism is on the rise on a local and governmental scale. Politicians are often making their anti-Semitic actions as a fight for human rights, but de facto, it is all about anti-Semitism because they always target on Jews and Israel. Um, it is about time that... Uh, elected officials and business leaders and activists understand that advancing peaceful solution in the Middle East and making the Jewish community around the world safer is about bringing people together rather than trying to target Jews for is or Israelis. The writer is chairman of the Federation of Finland Israel Associations and vice chair of the Finnish Holocaust Remembrance Association, Mr. Huliva, um, is also the author of the book The Miracle of Israel and President Truman. This opted... Um, I'm sorry, why does it do that? This op-ed is published in partnership with the coalition of organizations that fight anti-Semitism across the world. Read the previous article by Sacha Stowski. Alright. Yeah, no, um, I didn't know Finland uh, operated like that. That's a, that's an eye-opener. Um, I don't like that at all. I mean, I will always stand for Israel. Always, first and foremost. Not only because I'm a Christian, but because they have just gone under so much persecution ever since the beginning of time. It's just evil what they, what they have gone through. And how many countries have inflicted so much hardship on them. This could really hurt the economy in Israel right now, especially in Samaria and Judea because of 
um, Finland refusing to do business with Jewish businesses. I'm sorry, a, a lot? <laughs> I don't know the specific, uh, you know, percentage, but a majority of the country is Jewish, so you losing that business is not only going to cripple your economy, but it's also going to cripple theirs, so it's like, why would you even do that anyways if it's going to hurt you as well? Anyway, that just made me mad. I mean, I used to like Finland. Finland was, like, supposed to be a peaceful country, wasn't it? Or maybe that was just my assumption. That is all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. Have a wonderful day.